guys, it's Victoria here and welcome to the Motorsport Stories podcast. This is episode 4 of season 2, Cal Shelby and Shelby American. Behind Forrest's first Le Mans victory in 1966 stands a company and its charismatic founder, both of which are still playing a major part in America's automobile industry. Shelby American was originally founded in 1962 by Cal Shelby, but who was the founder of this iconic company? Cal Shelby, racing driver, team owner, car manufacturer and entrepreneur, was, was born in 1923 to Warren Hall Shelby and Eloise Lawrence Shelby. Cal Shelby grew up in a small town of Leesburg in Texas. Later on, when Shelby was a teenager, his family relocated to Dallas, Texas after his father, who was a mail carrier, got a promotion. At a young age, Cal Shelby developed a deep interest in cars and started dreaming about becoming a race driver. In his early teens, he would ride his bicycle to go see cars racing at a circuit near his home. Another dream Shelby would be carrying for many years before being able to make it a reality was to build his own sports car. As a young boy, only eight years old, Shelby was diagnosed with a heart disease, a disease which prevented him from participating in most sports during his childhood. Still a young man in 1941, Cal Shelby started training to become an Air Force pilot as his heart issues went unnoticed during tests. However, he never fought a battle as he instead was assigned to be a flight instructor training new potential Air Force pilots. By the end of World War II in 1945, Shelby left the Air Force. At this time, he was a married man with a small family and decided to set up a dump truck business. Unfortunately, this didn't exactly work out for him. After the dump truck business failed, Shelby started up as a chicken farmer. This went really well with the first batch of chickens. With the second batch of chickens, things started to decline as they all got sick and died. A premonition for his poultry career. Cal Shelby himself said that he would very easily lose interest in the projects he started, even if he could have been successful if he had continued. After a few failed attempts at starting a business, and with Cal Shelby being in his late 20s at the time, in 1952, one of his friends offered Shelby to race a car in a quarter mile drag race. Unlike his luck in business, Shelby actually did really well in this race and won. The same year, he also started racing an MGTC very successfully in a number of road races. During the beginning of his racing career, Shelby was still a farmer. To save time, he would often race in the same overalls he had been farming in, and this quickly became his trademark. In 1954, Shelby's quick speed caught the attention of Aston Martin team manager John Wire, and Carol Shelby started racing for the team all over the United States and in Europe. This year would also be the first year he would participate in the Le Mans as a driver. In the same year, Shelby was injured in a big crash in the Carrera Panamericana in Mexico. Having found himself with a number of broken bones, including a broken elbow, Shelby had to undergo a number of operations to recover. However, this wouldn't stop him from racing, as he would be wearing a fiberglass cast to support his shattered elbow. Though Shelby did drive Ferraris in multiple races for various teams throughout his racing career and was offered multiple contracts with the Ferrari factory team, he always turned down every single offer from Enzo Ferrari and he almost detested him. There seems to be no one particular reason for Shelby's dislike for Il Comendatore, Enzo Ferrari's nickname, but rather the contention was based on multiple reasons. Their relationship started with Shelby being offended that Ferrari would only pay him a small sum of money 
to raise for La Scuderia. Enzo Ferrari in turn found it offensive that Carol Shelby did not find it an immense honor to even be offered to drive for the team. Additionally, Carol Shelby did not appreciate Ferrari's aloof nature and his need to pit his drivers against each other instead of making them work together as a team. Even during his active racing career, Shelby started a new company, Cal Shelby Sports Cars, in cooperation with Dick and Jim Hall. Jim Hall, for background information, was one of the founders of Chapel Cars, a well-known American racing team. One of Shelby's most impressive performances during his racing career came in a 100-mile race at Riverside, California in 1957. After Shelby spun his Maserati during the start of the race, he ended up in the rear of the field. Yet, by the end of the race, Shelby had managed to overtake everyone and won the race. Not only based on his, this performance, both in 1956 and in 1957, Shelby won the Sports Illustrated Sport Car Driver of the Year award. But the absolute highlight of Shelby's racing career came when he and Ray Salvadori won the 1959 Le Mans in the Aston Martin DBR1. Shelby even managed to drive two seasons in Formula 1, though he never managed to grab an F1 victory. During 1960, Shelby started to experience severe heart problems, leading him to having to take nitroglycerin pills, even during races. Eventually, these health issues forced him to end his magnificent racing career prematurely. During this year, Shelby also separated from his first wife. Having finished his active racing career, Shelby opened the Shelby School of High Performance Driving. The very same year, Shelby came up with the bright idea that would turn out to be an absolute game changer. When the English car maker AC Car lost their engine provider for their AC Ace, Cal Shelby saw the opportunity of marrying the lightweight European sports car with the big American engine. Ford Motor Company at the time had developed a smaller V8 engine and were in the process of implementing their total performance marketing campaign with the ambition of finally building a car that could beat their bitter rivals, the Chevrolet Corvette. When Cal Shelby went to sell the idea to Lee Iacocca, then vice president of Ford, Iacocca is said to have been totally smitten with Shelby's charm and his bright idea. Reportedly, after the meeting, Iacocca said that Ford ought to give Shelby the needed money for the project, quote, before he bites somebody. Probably as iconic as the resulting car itself is its name, Cobra. Allegedly, Shelby had woken up one night as the name came to him in a dream. He hastily wrote the name down on a piece of paper before going back to sleep. The car usually just goes by the name Cobra. But throughout the years, it's been called everything from Shelby Ford AC Cobra, Shelby AC Cobra, AC Cobra, Shelby Cobra, and later on even Ford Cobra. 1962 would be the year when the Cobra was finally put into production. At this time, it was the fastest production car ever made, doing 0-60 to 60 miles per hour in 3.9 seconds. In spring this year, Shelby Americans started their operations in a shop in Venice, California. Though the new Cobra needed quite a bit of work making a tiny chassis ready for a newer Beggin engine, a group of remarkable people made this engineering challenge possible. Some of the mentionable people in the creation of the Cobra were the Herlock brothers, in charge of AC at the time and who took on the challenge of dealing with Carl Shelby. John Tojero, the original designer of the AC Ace. 
Then we have Razor and test driver Ken Miles. Then there's Pete Brock, who made the roof Daytona version. We have Lee Iacocca, who was in charge of Ford's total performance campaign. There's also Ford's Dave Evans, who gave the Shelby its engine. And finally, we have the engineer Phil Remington, who Cal Shelby claimed to be an engineering genius. During this time, the Cobra was featured in a number of motor magazines. To create the illusion that the car was readily available in an array of different colors, the same car was repainted multiple times in order to feature in different colors in different magazines. The Cobra also became the first car that had an advertisement in Playboy magazine. The car truly became a pop icon, even featuring in a song Hey Little Cobra by the Rip Chords in 1963. The racing version of the Cobra entered its first race in October 1962. Though the car eventually broke down before the end of the three-hour race, the Cobra briefly took the lead of the race and also managed to show there was a D quicker than the new Corvette Stingray. The ambition with the Cobra was of course not only to be able to beat the Chevrolet Corvette, but also to be able to beat the Ferraris. Cal Shelby, of course, seeing his company and employees as more laid back and down to earth than Enzo Ferrari and La Scuderia. Shelby himself saying that the Shelby American mechanics and engineers, quote, they were all hot rodders with no education. In 1963, Shelby not only signed lifelong friend Ken Miles to drive the Cobra, Miles and Dave McDonald also beat the Corvette Stingrays at a race in January on Riverside that year. As the roofless roaster version of the Cobra was a nightmare aerodynamics-wise, the development of a coupe version of the Cobra began in late 1963, the so-called Daytona Coupe. Also during 1963, the Cobra competed in Le Mans for the very first time, where the best Cobra managed to finish in seventh place. In 1964, the Cobra reached the absolute pinnacle of its racing success when it came in fourth overall in this year's Le Mans. This additionally crowned the winner of the GT class and making this victory extra sweet was the fact that the team defeated the Ferraris participating in this class. This year would also mark the beginning of the connection between the Ford Mustang and Shelby American that is still going on today. Shelby American agreed to cooperate with Ford in making the Mustang, at this time a four-seater known as the secretary's car, into a two-seater sport car ready to beat the Chevrolet Cavette, both on the street and on track. The first Shelby Mustang GT350 was put into production in 1965 and has since been produced in many updated and iconic versions. Throughout the years, several versions with a larger engine going by the name GT500 have also been released. In 1965, Shelby American moved its operations from Venice, California to the LAX airport facility in Los Angeles. This year also marks the beginning of Shelby American taking over the production and racing of the Ford GT40. In this year, Carl Shelby had a lot of things going on for him. He was producing street and racing Mustangs as well as Cobras. He had the chance to beat Ferrari in the GT Racing Class World Championship and his GT40s were gonna enter Le Mans for the very first time. However, in this year's Le Mans, famously none of the four GTs managed to finish the race. On the 4th of July 1965, after entering the 12th Heures de Rheims, 
race in France. The Cobras of Shelby Americans scored enough points to win the FIA World Championship of GT cars, even beating Ferrari that was traditionally known to dominate this championship. This victory over the Ferraris was not only special as it was won on the 4th of July, but also because the team had lost the championship to Ferrari the previous year, which prompted Carroll Shelby to see that he would come for them the following year. The success continued in 1966 when the Ford GT40 famously won not only the long sought after race at Le Mans, but also at Sebring and Daytona. The Le Mans victory was repeated again in 1967. During this race, it was not only important for Cal Shelby to beat Ferrari, but also his other rivals, Holman Moody, who were in charge of the second Ford factory team at Le Mans. In an interview, Cal Shelby said that there seemed to be some jealousy brewing within the ranks of Ford after Shelby received so much credit for the car manufacturer's initial Le Mans victories. Cal Shelby, however, emphasized that it was a team effort and that his company would have never won these victories without Ford. The company seized its cooperation with Ford for a long period as well as its car building operation for a few years by the end of the 60s due to the ever-increasing fuel prices and stricter government regulations on fuel consumption. Instead, the company started specializing in consulting automakers on upcoming projects. Additionally, Cal Shelby embarked on a number of projects outside the automotive industry, like moving to Africa and starting a chili business. In the beginning of the 80s, Shelby reconnected with Lee Iacocca, who was now the chairman of Chrysler, in order to build new cars that would revamp the image of Chrysler. By the end of the 1980s, Shelby and Chrysler cooperated in the creation of a new iconic sports car, the Dodge Viper. After a series of health issues, mainly having to get a heart transplant and then a kidney transplant a few years later, Carol Shelby was not able to participate as much in the development of this car as he maybe would have wanted, though it was still a very important project to him. Around this time, multiple companies have started creating replicas of the original Cobra since Shelby Americans started producing them and there was only a small number of used Cobras on the market. Cal Shelby, not satisfied with other companies earning money of his creation, began building new Cobras. As these new Cobras were giving unused serial numbers that the company had been granted back in the 60s, it was also claimed that unused car parts from this period were used producing these new Cobras. As this turned out not to be true, Shelby American were heavily criticized for false advertisement. For a period of time in the mid-1990s, the company changed its name to Shelby Automobiles. At the same time, the company opened a new manufacturing facility in Las Vegas. After many years apart, in the early 2000s, Ford Motor Company and Cal Shelby finally got together again to work on a project when Shelby and his team consulted Ford on the newest supercar project, the Ford GT. In the following years, the companies kept working together on a number of performance cars. Another project taken form during the early 2000s was the Shelby GTH. The three companies, Ford, Shelby and the rental car company Hertz Corporation, got together to make the ultimate version of the Ford Mustang. The car was fitted with a 325 horsepower V8 engine and was painted black with two golden racing stripes reminiscent of the Le Mans races of the 1960s. 
Due to the huge demand on this car, the project developed even further and the Shelby GT was put into production. More versions have been put into production since then and the newest version of the Shelby GT was released in 2019. Today, Shelby American still forms part of Cal Shelby International Incorporated, like Cal Shelby famously said back in the 60s. My name is Cal Shelby and performance is my business. The company still specializes in performance cars. Shelby's likable and charming personality not only helped him in business, but it also made him very popular with the ladies, which in turn made it very hard for him to stay married for a long period of time. And Cal Shelby was married to multiple women during his lifetime. He also had three children, all with his first wife, Jean, who he famously wooed by dropping love letters onto her farm while he was still a pilot in the Air Force. Cal Smith, who Shelby had hired as team manager for the 1966 and 1967 Le Mans races, said about him, the best man I ever worked for, the only man I could ever work for. He has leadership qualities, he can inspire you to do more than you're capable of doing, he gives everyone an enormous amount of rope, picks the right people and leaves them alone to get on with it, keeps the bullshit and the politics away from the racers. Carol Shelby even gained the nickname Billy Saul Estes after an infamous Texas swindler due to his sling-talking abilities and his talent in sales. After a long life full of adventures and also its fair share of health issues, Cal Shelby died in 2012 as an old man at the age of 89. Cal Shelby might have been gone for a few years now, but his company and his legacy still continues to live on. To this day, he is still believed to be the only person who has managed to win the Le Mans both as a driver in 1959 with Aston Martin and as a manufacturer winning the GT class in 1964 with the Cobra and as a team owner with the four GTs. If you have any questions, some feedback, or would like to suggest a topic for the show, please feel free to leave a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page, or send me an email. Contact information can be found in the show notes alongside any sources that might have been used for this episode. And please remember, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. And of course, spread the word, tell your friends about the show. Until next time, have a speedy day. Music